Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the show. I am Chris Graham, and it's a Monday, and we are going to talk today. Well, our guest is going to be Rod Mullins. We're going to talk NASCAR. Uh, we're going to go into detail about the NASCAR Cup Series debut at Worldwide Technology Raceway in Illinois, and uh, Joey Logano's big win. Rod's going to help us break that down, get you ready for the coming weekend in NASCAR. And then later in the show, I'll talk some wrestling, uh, AEW wrestling in particular, a couple of stories uh, coming out of AEW uh, with uh, the injury to CM Punk and the impact that's going to have on the next few weeks of uh, all elite wrestling, particularly now the need for a world title interim world title tournament uh, that uh, is, is going to be a creative way to get around a a potential big problem for the uh, promotion. Also going to talk about uh, concussion issues. Um, uh, Jeff Hardy suffering a concussion during the double or nothing pay-per-view and kind of go into detail about how that was mishandled. Also going to break down some, some thoughts on the MJF generated controversy. I'm calling it a generated controversy because that's what it is. It's, it's what uh, wrestling is supposed to do well. So NASCAR and pro wrestling today on the podcast. And if you have any questions for us, topics for us down the road uh, to address, please let me know. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at not Chris Graham one, the number one, not Chris Graham one. You can email me at Augusta Free Press two at gmail.com. I want to know what you're thinking and uh, feel free to comment uh, uh, on the website on yeah, wherever you can go on and re put reviews on on your on the podcast, wherever you listen to our podcast, uh, or if you watch us on YouTube, feel free to comment there as well. Uh, but um, yeah, want to hear from you. So coming up after the break, we're going to come in and and talk with Rod Mullins, and we're going to talk some NASCAR. That's coming up next here on Street Knowledge. Welcome back, and now we have our guest with us, Rod Mullins, and Rod's going to help us make some sense of a thrilling race yesterday uh, in Illinois. Joey Logano gets the win in overtime, out racing Kyle Busch. Rod, uh, welcome to the show. Hey. Great to have you, as always, and yeah, well, so Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, in overtime um and ross chastain had some fun denny hamlin <laughs> had some things to say afterwards ross chastain apologizing for getting into guys i mean yeah it was it was a lot to a lot to break down uh where do you want to start with uh with yesterday's race uh i guess more than anything probably start with the finish of this race and how they had to go to overtime to settle it and how some people i think were expecting joey logano and kyle bush to be a little more competitive there toward the end and Thought we were going to see some uh, bump and run or a hit, a tap. I know we saw one good tap into the left side. Uh, each other, uh, they kind of collided there coming off one of the turns and stuff, but nobody lost control of the car. But, you know, it was a wild, wild race there at Worldwide Technology Park uh, Raceway and at Gateway in St. Louis. But uh, Logano uh, just, you know, he, he got through all this stuff. Um, you know, Kevin Harvick had bad luck again. It seemed like Kevin Harvick went ran into the wall again, a brake rotor, a uh, brake rotor, I should say, failed on him. Uh, he went into turn three. It sent him into a pretty hard hit there on turn three. And then that kind of changed the whole aspect of the race because a lot of people thought, okay, Ryan Blaney might have a chance at this. He'd been running pretty good on the day and 
everybody kind of thought maybe that might be the key. Uh, some consistency here didn't happen. And then it was left up to uh, Joey Logano and uh, Kyle Busch there at the very end of it. But, you know, Joey Logano wins in overtime. We didn't have the uh, dramatic uh, expectations we were hoping for with a little bit of bumping, banging, and some uh, trading of some carbon fiber, you know, and paint and everything else. But uh, I think the real thing that came out of this was the tire wear. A lot of problems with some of the tires again this time around as they have in some of the other races. This track is kind of strange. Um, you know, first time I'd ever, I've ever um, covered anything, I guess, if you want to call it that, from watching the race yesterday and seeing it. Um, it's like a, an elongated Martinsville to a certain degree. Doesn't have a whole lot of banking as you go into the turns. Flat, though, as you go down to the front and back stretch. Um, I would say a little bit of an incline probably in the turns, but not anything drastic. Uh, more of flat surface type racing than anything else. But these left side tires, left rear side tires, were wearing out on some of these drivers pretty quick yesterday. And uh, some of them blew. I know you had a couple of drivers that had to go into the pits, uh, had to get serviced. Denny Hamlin also, he had some trouble yesterday, relegated him. I think he, what did he finish? 35th, I think, in the overall of the race right there uh, after having a great race here a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, it, it was one of those races where we saw the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just downright disdainful out of this whole race. And I think the disdainful out of this is probably more so Ross Chastain. And I know he's looking to make a name for himself and he's trying to just run everybody down and run them ragged out on the track. But, you know, yesterday he, you know, he admitted to Jamie Little going back to the pits and stuff uh, after the race was over with. He says, you know, I can apologize all I want to, but I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to try to make some amends for all this stuff. You know, I, I just, I didn't learn my lesson from yesterday. And then Denny Hamlin, who was known for dropping the F-bomb here a couple of weeks ago, Denny Hamlin comes out sounding like Billy Graham and a, and a preacher there at the very end. We all make mistakes and we all have to serve our time in this kind of, you know, punishment and everything else. So I really don't know what to make out of Denny Hamlin right now. I think Denny Hamlin's trying to make it sound at least a little bit more respectable that he's going to, you know, he's, uh, well, he didn't do too well yesterday, but you know, I, I feel sorry for Ross Chastain out of it, even though he did run me over and run over about everybody else out on the track. So, I mean, that's kind of the way it was. He was trying to be nice about the whole thing. I believe repent and thou she be redeemed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind, yeah. it kind of, no, uh, he finished 34th as it turns out. Elliot was 21st yeah. Chastain, the guy knocking everybody all over the place, finished seventh. So, I mean, yeah. you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, and you know, you mentioned this the first race at this at this raceway. Uh, you know, that, that's that's and first race first race at this raceway. Obviously, also first race uh, with the new cars, and um, uh, you know, so and it was a hot day. I mean, and yep. we're getting into the summer now. You know, we've we've had a mix of weather. It's we're starting to get into that that time of year where it's going to be consistently hot on race day, whether it's a Saturday or Sunday night or, or, right. or during the day on a Sunday. Um, what kind of impact did that have? Do you think not only on the racing, but maybe also on the tempers? I mean, these guys are riding around in a car for a few hundred miles and it's gotta be hot in there. Yeah, I think it had, I think it had a lot to do with it. I think it a lot had a lot to do with some of those tires because Goodyear had been talking about those tires that those tires were going to take at least a good 10, maybe 15 laps to kind of break in. And then you'd be able to tell what kind of tire you were going to have. Well, I don't, 
I don't buy that because here you were 15 laps in the tire looked like everything was just running smooth and going well for some of these people. Boom. Dave Blaney, uh, you know, Ryan Blaney, I should say goes and blows a tire right there. He has to come into the pits and has to get worked on. Um, it came totally unexpected, I believe to a lot of the drivers. And so I don't know if, if Goodyear has or has the right formula there for, uh, for gateway. I don't know if they've got it yet. I know one thing though, the crowd, it was a big crowd. It was a sold out crowd on the grandstand from what I understand. And also this was probably one of the bigger sporting events going on in St. Louis. Forget about the Cardinals. I'm, I'm not a Cardinals fan. Okay. Let's just go there. I, I'm just going to say that for full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. Full disclosure. Even though I used to listen to KMOX religiously growing up on AM 1120 as they used to be and hearing Mike Shannon always sounding like he was trying to make it through on his eighth or ninth beer as he was trying to get through the game that night in his uh, color commentary with Jack Buck. Uh, but still, uh, I think it was one of the biggest events to come to uh, St. Louis in a long time. You know, since the Rams moved out, St. Louis hasn't had a hasn't had a lot to really brag about except for the Cardinals. And you know, the Cardinals have kind of just been there. And of course, you've got uh, you've got the Blues. They play in college or in the hockey, and then you've got the the Billikens and playing in college basketball. But they're not as attached to something as big and professional, I should say, like they were the Rams when they adopted the Rams and they brought them there. And uh, for them, this was a this was a big chance. And hey, Kenny Wallace said it said it plain and simple: We race out here. We race in Missouri. We race in this part of the country. So he kind of made it known to a lot of people that they were going to be in for some exciting racing on on Sunday. And I, that's what I believe they got. I believe they got some exciting racing. Um, I know some of the drivers are back to the same thing again. We can't pass. We can't do this. We can't do that. We're back again to the same old excuse I've got again. You know, grow up, guys. This is this is the next generation car. Adapt, learn, try to figure out some way how to move on the track that's going to be able to get you where you need to go. So we're kind of back in a same kind of, um, I don't know, schism almost to a certain degree. We're kind of back in this same old dream over and over that we're watching a NASCAR trying to, you know, satisfy everybody, but not being able to do it all the way across the board. Kurt Busch third, Ryan Blaney fourth, Eric Almarola fifth. Mm -hmm. um, who, who else do you think had uh, good days on the track uh, on Sunday? Another great race for uh, Eric Jones in the Petty GMS racing. Uh, another top 10 right there for him. Uh, at one point, they could have been at least, I think they were as high as fourth, maybe third place at one point. But, uh, you know, that team just continues week after week after week to improve overcoming some kind of adversity. I think they did really well. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking about Michael McDonald yesterday too. He came out of nowhere, was leading there for a few, uh, for a few laps. Uh, that car looked really good. The Fords looked great yesterday. I have to say that the Chevys, not so much. Uh, the Toyotas were so, so, uh, but you had, uh, Martin Truex, uh, you know, he was hoping for a win. You know, a lot of people are talking about what Martin Truex's future is going to be. I don't know if you caught that or not. There's a rumor going around now that he may be the second person going to be leaving Joe Gibbs racing. If uh, Kyle Busch doesn't do it, he may do it. And, you know, that's going to leave the stable wide open for Joe Gibbs, probably to bring Ty Gibbs along, you know, kind of plug him into a seat before it's over with. And he'll have two young, outstanding drivers. He'll have uh, Christopher Bell, who hasn't won a race yet so far or has hasn't been able to really, I guess, um, 
get the tires to grip, so to speak, on the track as much as he'd like to, but he's been a contender in several races. And then you get Ty Gibbs in there in another car, that's going to change some things too. And that's, of course, Joe Gibbs' grandson. So um, what happens? I don't know. There's people talking that Martin Truex might retire from the sport. He says he's not going to retire, but he says there's options out there. Kyle Busch is kind of silent right now. I think Toyota, the ball has kind of been tossed over into Toyota's uh, court side of the court saying, okay, what are you going to come up with in order to keep him here? But, you know, there's wild rumors going around too that, uh, well, one of the seats are going to come open. Of course, Eric Almirola is going to be leaving Stuart Haas. You know, what other uh, choice would uh, Tony Stewart have except to go for Mr. Hothead himself and get Kyle Busch? And you have two hotheads on the West Coast. I call it West Coast, but still, you'd have two hotheads right there from really the West Coast, the way it is with Kyle Busch there. And, of course, Tony Stewart is from Indiana, but he still likes to... uh, you know, vacate a couple of places here and there and, and occupy some places in California here and there and stuff. But, uh, you know, it, it would be interesting to see what kind of matchup that would bring along for them. Uh, Chris Busher had to miss the race. He tested positive with COVID-19 and, Mm -hmm. um, the truck series racer Zane Smith made a debut and actually did pretty well. 17th place. Yeah. 17th place. Cannot complain about that. He kept his car clean. That's, that was the main idea for him getting into that car, of course, to at least keep the, the owner points and to keep things going for them. But you've got to give him some credit. I mean, I don't think there was anything wrong with the car after it was all over with. He kept them pretty much clean, but you know, you have to say chase Elliott spinning out in the middle of people right there in the middle of uh, coming down the front stretch, I believe in one incident, you're still kind of left scratching your head. What is up with this team? Uh, you know, he's not leading the standings anymore. Uh, Ross Chastain was leading the standings as of the last time that I checked, not before you and I recorded this afternoon, but, uh, Ross Chastain was doing a heck of a job and, and Chase Elliott continues to kind of fall off radar, but, You know, here we are, we're going to Sonoma this weekend, going out to wine country in California, and that's going to set up, well, is he going to get back into the wind column with this one on a road course? Uh, One other other note I wanted to bring up before we go out to Sonoma with uh, previewing this weekend's race, A.J. Allmendinger. It was one of those weekends where the Xfinity race was not the same location as the NASCAR race. It was out in Portland, Oregon. Right. A.J. had to fly in. uh, He started at the rear um, and ended up finishing 10th. So not a bad Mm -hmm. day considering all that traveling he had to do. AJ Allmendinger is is slowly. I, I have to say it this way, you know, he got kind of booted out of the sport, uh, kind of in the in the same way of some of these other guys. He got booted out on an accusation of an illegal substance in his bloodstream. Ended up losing uh, losing out on the petty ride here several years ago, and then they had to move on to somebody else. And then now he has made his way back into the sport, and I mean. Gosh, he's dominating in Xfinity right now. He's been doing so good in Xfinity. And, you know, road courses are his thing. And this wasn't a road course, but, man, alive, he drove a heck of a race on on Sunday afternoon to come away with a 10th-place finish, considering he was just in Portland, you know, right before that and then racing in the Xfinity Series. Uh, so A.J. Allmendinger's building him uh, himself back up. The question is, you know, has somebody got some quality stuff underneath him? And and I think that uh, Golic Racing does have some quality material and quality stuff underneath him. But now the question is, will he go to somewhere else? Will he go to a Hendrick? Will he go to 
uh, Tony Stewart. Will he go to somebody else? Who knows? I mean, he's he's been in this thing. I think he's looking to get back into Cup on a full-time basis, and he's not racing, I don't think, on a full-time basis in the Cup Series, but mostly racing uh, full-time in the Xfinity Series, and he's been a force to be reckoned with. Before we go out to Sonoma, I will do a, I'll do a quick standings update. Uh, four guys at the top with two wins. These at uh, Ross Chastain, Joey Logano, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, fourth of those four mm-hmm. uh, with the two wins, but also just 319 points. But Chastain still in the lead. Logano moving into second with the win this weekend. Chase Elliott leads those with one win, and he's got the most points of everybody, but he's just got the one win. So another win, he would vault to the top. Yeah. And uh, the cutoff right now is Tyler Reddick uh, with 379 points, no wins. And then you got guys on the right now on the other side of the cutoff, some names, Kevin Harvick, uh, mm-hmm. guy who's been in the winner's circle quite a bit the last couple of years, but not this year. Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Daniel Suarez, Michael McDowell, Bubba Wallace, uh, Justin Haley, Chris Bushler. So, I mean, there's some names there uh, among those who, who are on the outside looking in right now. Yeah, some of these guys right now, like you said, with Harvick, uh, Eric Jones is kind of there on the borderline. That just goes to show you with the the Coca-Cola 600 from last weekend, when you have a bad race and look what it does to you and knocks you out of the standings. You know, he was within the top 16, I think, going into Coca-Cola 600 and then got knocked out of it because of that race. That goes to show you why every lap is important or at least every stage race is important that you come away with a win. You know, here's another thing too. Uh, the uh, Fox announcers on the uh, on the broadcast on Sunday, you know, a lot of them was getting a lot of heat about some things. I read this morning about it. Uh, it seemed like for a lot of people, Fox's broadcast wasn't up to par. I don't know what it was. I know they missed some, some race, uh, some accidents or something like that, some wrecks that happened during the race. But, you know, they had, they had the same comment we did a couple of weeks ago, and that was talking about who's going to be on the outside looking in. I mean, this has been brought up before, but then it was finally brought up this past weekend by Clint Boyer and also by Mike Joy. You could go and you're going to have to win two or maybe three races to lock yourself into this thing, whereas everybody else is scrambling for these spots too. And somebody one win might be able to slip in, but you're going to have to win at least two or maybe three races to guarantee yourself a lock in getting into the playoffs. And if you do that, then you shut the rest of the guys off at the 16 point at the 16 level cut line and that just makes it all a a little bit more of a a squared away playoff system if you want to call it that but you know i think we're still going to get thrown some curves here before it's over with before we get into uh the last week of august first part of september i think we're still going to get some uh some curveballs thrown at us no doubt about it yeah we've got 11 winners uh 11 uh, with at least one win this year and you look at ryan blaney i mean 479 points uh, if we were just going in the old system, he'd be in fourth right now. But because right. uh, we're not going in that old system, uh, he's he's twelfth. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah you're, 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 the point there is valid. You got to win at least one, if not two or three, to to, to solidify. And that we said this last week, guys. That's to me what's the best part of this system. Uh, we're we're rewarding guys who go out there and win on a particular Saturday or Sunday. Well, the bad luck, of, you know, bad luck cannot be your friend. From this point on, in through you know the playoff system, you've got to race as well as you can. You've got to hope that everything holds together for you going through this stretch into the summer. I mean, they still have Pocono just yet. They've got Sonoma coming up. They're going to have uh, several more races. People are still talking about the Brickyard race. They're wondering. Kevin Harvick was uh, mentioning that 
this past week. I don't think Kevin Harvick's a big fan of the uh, road course at the Brickyard. Not a big fan of it last year. He says, when are we going to get back to racing on the bricks and racing on the oval at uh, at IMS at in Indianapolis. And I don't know if that's going to happen right now or not. You know, a lot of people were happy with the road race last year. I know some of the drivers weren't, uh, you know, some of the things that happened there toward the very end of it, Denny Hamlin, uh, kind of got on the unfortunate end of a, a little bump from somebody there, uh, there at the, uh, toward the end of the race. But you know, it's again, bad luck cannot be your friend right now. You've got to hope that you can really get all your ducks in a row and have everything set and say, Hey, we've, we've just got to go with everything we've got. And then still yet, Chris, even if they do that, something unexpected could happen. And so like with Ryan Blaney, 12th place, Ryan Blaney may have ran well yesterday at, uh, out at, uh, gateway in St. Louis, but then a Sonoma breakdown that could hurt him. Another breakdown, maybe at a Pocono or somewhere else that could even more devastate him before it's over with drop him down to that, uh, cutoff line and he could either be flip-flopping from 15th to 17th or so forth back and forth so you mentioned sonoma we're uh, heading out to wine country and uh road race uh, is this a specialty winner uh you know a, maybe a boris said type thing or uh or you know who, who runs well out there traditionally and who do you who do you think uh, has uh, has the advantage going into this weekend well, Logano runs well out there. I know that, um, of course, we mentioned Chase Elliott. You got a lot of the younger guys who, William Byron likes the road courses. You got a lot of the guys in the Hendrick stable that likes the road courses. You've got some of them. It's like, I really wish we wouldn't race on these things. You know, I'm, I'm through with them. But to me, I think a road course, years ago, I didn't like road courses. I didn't like them at all. And I thought to myself, why don't we just race oval all the time? Well, oval gets boring after a while, sooner or later, oval is going to get boring. And I think that the road course sets up really what the true thing of NASCAR is all about. And that was back in the old days before big bill France organized all these guys down there at that hotel in Daytona, these guys were running moonshine and these guys were running liquor all across the mountains and stuff. And you're going over hills and you're going into curves and you're trying to get away from the cops. And I think a road course is just a perfect way for some of these drivers to, to be able to show their skills on being able to run a road course. Um, you know, again, I'm back to that same argument I had a little bit earlier on in the season and stuff. These guys, I think are too spoiled. Sometimes some of these drivers are just too spoiled with what they want. And, uh, NASCAR's not paying any attention to them, but by the way, I was going to mention to you too, if you haven't had a chance to, you need to listen to the Dale jr. Download from this past week, or at least watch it. And Jeremy Mayfield, do you remember that name? I do remember that name, yes. Jeremy Mayfield, the one that rove by Dale Earnhardt at Pocono with his middle finger stuck out. And then he said later on, he said, no, nah, it was just me showing him I, he was number one in my book. That was the one that you know kind of stuck with him after a while. Uh -huh. But Jeremy Mayfield, um, he has totally lost everything that he had because of testing for an illegal substance in his body, uh, particularly methamphetamine. And, uh, you know, it's, it's ruined him. It, he had a tremendous podcast. He doesn't really come out and mention any names except for a couple of people in the NASCAR circles. One of them being the uh, chief drug tester who was supposed to be doing this for a lot of the other professional sports. Uh, wow. Um, you just got to listen to it. And I would recommend it to anybody out there. Uh, you start really raising the question right now. was Jeremy Mayfield. You know, did somebody have something against him? Did they run him out of the sport or did he really 
involve himself in something like this? Or was he just a victim of circumstance? Who knows? It's going to be anybody's guess. I don't think he's ever going to be back in NASCAR unless the powers that be change things. But uh, very interesting podcast. So if you've not had a chance to watch it or hear it or anything, that's something for you to do this week. Anything else buzzing around NASCAR that uh, gets your attention as we get ready to start wrapping up? I was just talking about the thing about Truex and, uh, you know, I really don't see Truex retiring anytime soon. I think he's going to stay with it. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy for him to kind of get out of it. He's been successful. He's been a successful driver. Uh, I know he's had a lot of, you know, bumps along the way, but he's, he's done a fantastic job and I don't think Joe Gibbs is going to let go of him, but I've, I've been surprised sometimes with the way some of these race teams will do things and who knows, uh, they may cut uh, Kyle Busch just the same way that you uh, go out on the riverbank. And finally, eventually, when everything's just not going your way and stuff, you just cut your cut your line, let your bait go, and just let it go with that. They may go in a whole different direction. So it's anybody's call, really, what we're getting down to here toward, well, th- this is already the beginnings of silly season about two or three months ahead of time. So it's it's starting. So we're, we're, we're being able to listen to some of it and find out or kind of – I don't know, give some ideas of what could ha- possibly happen. Silly season starts earlier and earlier every year. It every seems. year. <laughs> it does. Well, Rod, as always, thank you for your time and your insight and expertise. Really appreciate it. No problem, Chris. Thanks. We're back. Thanks for uh, to Rod Mullins once again for talking NASCAR with us and getting us ready for next week in Sonoma. And um, there, I should say, this weekend in Sonoma. And now let's talk some some wrestling here. You know, I'm, I'm starting to think through a title for these Monday podcasts. And I'm going to call these, I think, Southern Sports Mondays because uh, I, I mean, I know we <laughs> we're talking about a race coming up in Sonoma and NASCAR. They just raced in Missouri. Those are technically not Southern places. All Elite Wrestling is is based in Jacksonville. You know, Florida's kind of the South. I don't know. If, <laughs> Florida's the South. It was, it's geographically South. I'm not sure culturally, yeah, kind of. So. Um, but uh, re, you know, the the sports that I grew up with, um, uh, wrestling and NASCAR, racing in general. Um, uh, let's let's talk some AEW. Uh, AEW's got a lot going on these days. Uh, the recent pay per view All Outs, uh, New World Champion Crown CM Punk, and then. A few days after winning the belt, CM Punk injures himself. Uh, he's apparently going to need some minor surgery, and as a result, is going to need to be out of action for at least a few weeks. And only because, and I think this is the case, only because uh, AEW has in a rare a bit of activity for that company, which tr- tries to spread out its pay-per-views every three months or so, uh, four pay-per-views mainly a, m- a year, uh, and so uh, normally after right after a pay-per-view, if, if CM Punk needed to be out for two or three weeks, and which may end up being the case with this minor surgery he needs, um, you, you could just work around it. You could have, uh, you know, the next challenger, the, the next number one contender sort of emerge um, and then, you know, kind of work an angle where they talk for a bit uh, each week and kind of build up the heats, you know, slowly. That's, that's what I love about AEW with the, the, the more spread out big events is that you don't have to constantly go from one show to the next and, uh, you know, find a new contender, find a new, uh, you know, angle and that kind of thing. Um, but because uh, of the fact that the AEW New Japan Super Show is coming up literally just like three weeks from when we're recording this podcast, 
uh, and CM Punk had already been announced uh, to, to, of course, defend the AEW world title against uh, Tanahashi, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi of New Japan Wrestling. Um, there, uh, that, that does put, and because this is a super show, I mean, that, that puts the pressure on, on Tony Khan and AEW to, to come up with some strategy. I mean, and, and, and you know, you, the, the long build, what a nine month build to getting CM Punk into contention for a title and winning the world title from Hangman Adam Page in a really good match at, at All Out. You, you, you don't want to just take the belt off of him. And so, Tony is using a, a solution that he used uh, when Cody Rhodes needed to miss just a couple weeks of shows back in December, early January, and he was a TNT champion uh, by crowning an interim TNT champion and then having the belts merge uh, at, at a show when Cody was able to come back from that COVID break. Uh, they're going to use that same approach, and it's actually something that, uh, that uh, boxing has used. Uh, certainly UFC popularized the idea of an interim champion. What happens is you you crown an in, what, what, interim champion basically is your number one contender, but they have a belt, and then eventually when the 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 you know, the regular champion is able to come back and and defend, you have those two compete, and then the winner is is the champ, and that's just how things would work anyway. Uh, but you're formalizing it by calling this person the interim champion, and for you know the purposes of AEW here, whoever this interim champion ends up being, whether it's two or three weeks or six, eight weeks, whatever it ends up being that CM Punk is out, you've got someone else uh, in place to sort of carry the mantle. I mean, when you're world, if it's one thing when it's your TNT champ or your world tag team champs or, or something of that nature, but when it's your world champ, that's the signal caller for your, for your whole promotion. And so uh, you don't want that person not uh, in that belt, not being defended uh, on, on your shows. And so that's a long way of me saying this week on, on, um, uh, TBS on the Dynamite show on Wednesday, uh, the because it's the upcoming Super Show AEW New Japan, uh, AEW's side will crown a, a its top contender. Uh, John Moxley was the listed number one contender for CM Punk uh, on the AEW ranking side. Uh, he is sitting pretty. He will be in the main event of Dynamite. Uh, there will be a battle royal that will determine who will face Moxley in the uh, main event of Dynamite for the winner of that then would go up against the winner of Hiroshi Goto versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, which will be on New Japan's Dominion card later this week, actually Sunday. Uh, and, and the winners of those two matches will then face off uh, at the AEW New Japan Super Show June 26th uh, to determine the interim champion who will then eventually face CM Punk and they will, um, uh, I mean, theoretically, they would they would then unify the the interim belt with the, with the uh, regular belt. Though, I mean, interim championship can be defended in between, and so there there could be a change of that champion. Even though I, I would doubt that would want to be the you know the Tony Khan would want that to be the case. A um, couple of uh, bits of of uh, news and notes related to who can contend when we mentioned John on the AEW side, at least John Moxley already is locked into that number one contender spot. He will face the winner of the battle Royal. Brian Danielson will not be able to participate in the battle Royal. At least that's the report today. Dave Meltzer uh, from the wrestling observer newsletter uh, indicating that, that Danielson is out for a week or two with an undisclosed injury that prevented him from participating in a meter meet and greet this past weekend. He was not able to fly to New Hampshire for a scheduled meet and greet. Um, and so, uh, Danielson won't be available. Adam Page apparently also not available. Uh, apparently his return is set 
for that June 26 Super. So he's, he's been given some time off after his long run as the AEW world champion. And so those are two guys, I mean, a, a former champion, a, a former WWE champion, who you would love to have in the mix uh, for being a part of this this whole scene, uh, who will not be able to be there. Uh, the question will be, can, can Chris Jericho, uh, not the, the first AEW world champion, will he be a part of this? Uh, it doesn't look like Kenny Omega's back anytime soon either uh, from his various issues. He had a couple of surgeries. He was dealing with vertigo. His run as AEW champion ended last November. He has not wrestled since, so it's been quite a while off for Kenny Omega, but you've got then that would be three of your champions, three of your former champions who are not available to be a part of this this uh, whole process, and that's, that's not good news uh, for Tony Khan. But I think otherwise, I think this is working out – it's going to work out as well as it could, you know, considering that – you know, ideally, you'd like to just have your champion CM, your new champion CM Punk main eventing your next pay per view, which is, you know, scheduled rarely, but it is the case a month after uh, the big all out uh, main event win. Uh, you know, I, in, in the end, I think you're probably going to see, based on the way things seem to be going, with um, uh, the, the, just kind of reading some tea leaves here, it looks like John Moxley is going to end up at the end of this process being your, your new AEW interim world champ. He's a former world champ, of course, of course, as well. Um, and uh, boy, you can't go wrong. I don't think down the road, having Moxley face off with CM Punk. I mean, certainly having Moxley Tanahashi is likely going to be the main event. It would seem to me that those are going to be the two winners on the two sides of the super show. Um, that's a pretty good main event. And, um, and so that's the way things will probably go there. Yeah, another guy who won't be a part of this process, uh, almost certainly. Um, and when I say almost certainly, 99.999% certainly, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, interesting, uh, interesting angle working with with uh, with Max. Um, you're obviously pretty well aware if you're listening to this part of the podcast, you're you're interested in in AEW. Uh, Fr- uh, Friedman, MJF. Uh, uh, had uh, one of those pipe bomb type situations last week on a dynamite with his, his promo uh, cut uh, aiming at the backstage. Uh, Tony Khan, Friedman has been making it known for months that he's upset with uh, his pay relative to other performers in AEW. Uh, Maybe his booking. Um, I don't know that he can really complain about booking. He's uh, he's been, uh, he, he's, he won three out of four in a top level feud with Chris Jericho. He's one in one career against CM Punk. Um, and the one loss was with some chicanery. Uh, so not even a necessarily a clean loss to Punk at the end of their, uh, at least the, the, the stoppage of their recent feud Punk got the win and then went on to a world title match. Um, MJF had to, to satisfy the blow off of a two year plus angle, with Wardlow and in the process put Wardlow over better, you know, bigger than anybody else in the company, other than probably MJF and CM Punk and maybe even approaching, you know, not making that a maybe with those two guys. Um, so MJF is, is a, is a kingmaker in his own right. And he's certainly a future world champion in AEW. Um, but uh, you know, these, these, these hints that have been dropped on podcasts and maybe some Twitter and other social media over the last several months, um, played off in the ring uh given a live mic on wednesday's dynamite uh in front of the um discovery turner executives uh out in la 
uh, MJF delivered a all time classic promo uh, that uh, shot at everything, at least a work shoot at, at, at everything. Uh, uh, going over all these details, going over his displeasure about how he, he wants to go to WWE when his contract's up January 1st of 2024. Um, to me, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've shared in a column over the weekend. Uh, I, I don't know that we need to parse too many details about whether this is a work or a shoot using the wrestling terminology. It's clearly a work, but don't even worry about that. Just, you know, a lot of fans want to say, okay, well, okay, if this is a work, then where's it going? And why are they doing this, etc.? It's got people talking and that's what wrestling, it's the sizzle. You know, wrestling matches by and large are the same thing over and over. Pro wrestling matches, I mean, amateur wrestling matches, they're the same thing over and over. Um, what gets us to keep coming back is to that we invest in the, the people, the athletes, the performers, and uh, we have our favorites, and, and then we, we see where it goes. And uh, MJF is definitely getting attention here <laughs> and, and, and in a good way. He's a, he's a, to me, he's an underrated in-ring performer, but he is, he is one of the all-time greats uh, at selling uh, what he's getting ready to do or what he's already done or both. And uh, I think that's the – so I say just sit back and let's just see where it goes. I mean, I've got a lot of ideas. Uh, you do, uh, you know – People all over social media have lots of ideas as to where this story can go, where it will go. You know, it's fine to share those, but in the end, I just I think it'd be more fun if we just kind of see where it goes uh, it, and uh, and stop trying to rewrite it for 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 the people who are are doing it. And I say that with the experience of, you know, it's it's limited compared to what a, what a lot of other folks have who've worked in the business. But I have worked in the business, and I was actually part of a a, a company that was. Now, the, the, all elite wrestling is AEW. I was part of a company called Awesome Wrestling Entertainment, AEWE, back uh, more than a decade ago that thought it could be, you know, just like a number of companies have popped up and, and unfortunately, in a lot of cases, obviously dropped off the map, uh, that thought it could be a, uh, a secondary company in the, in, in the U.S. wrestling marketplace to WWE. Obviously, WWE, the hegemon in, in pro wrestling in, in the United States. But AWE, the goal was, say, hey, let's just see if we can be a company that can get on TV. And, and, and there was some backing from some folks in California who not only had money, but connections. And uh, there, there was talk of a TV show. There, there was a live pay-per-view and not one of these Internet pay-per-views. It was on cable systems across the country, across North America and the Canada and that, and that kind of thing. And I was part of that creative team. And it was a great experience, a fun experience. And we thought at the time that we were going to be working in pro wrestling for a while. And things didn't work out, but we built uh, we built a similar reality-based storyline around our main event. And I wrote a column on the Augusta Free Press website. Please check it out um, just to give you some insight into how stories like that are built. And, you know, we had a lot of people speculating with us as to where things should go. And, and you know, that's kind of where I get that, that feeling again is, um, you know, as someone who has created a fun story, angle uh and and worked with some big names in the business to to get you to believe something um just enjoy it, it you know we had a lot of fun creating it um and and it it didn't quite lead where we wanted it to lead but i'll tell you what um you know the people who were involved um uh put a lot of thought and effort into it already and and, and you know the the idea that maybe it's done the way you want it done or that kind of thing in the end um just just enjoy it 
it's, it's entertainment and it's, it's, it's there for that reason. So I've praised Tony Khan for making chicken salad out of chicken, something else uh, with the CM Punk injury uh, and, and what he's done to create a world title uh, interim world title tournament that can, uh, you know, get things moving in, in a direction and actually maybe even uh, get us through a good summer here uh, without CM Punk. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to give some criticism now and some pretty harsh criticism uh, for another injury. And this was an in-ring injury during the, the all-out paper, excuse me, double or nothing paper. I called it all out earlier. Correct myself there. A stat boy. I'm correct. Uh, corrections and, and, you know, factual errors. Yeah. It's, it's not, it was, it was double or nothing. Sorry for that. Um, but uh, uh, Jeff Hardy suffered an injury early in the match, uh, sort of a dream match. Uh, the, uh, the Hardys against the young bucks I say sort of a dream match. It was a dream match. Um, not exa- exactly sure where the injury happened. It just looked like at first now watching it live, I will say um, I, I knew you could tell something was wrong uh, at the viewing party we had here. Uh, I was, I was telling everybody, look, maybe he tore his ACL Hardy um, tagged out to his brother, uh, Matt, and then uh, laid in a heap in the ring. And he was, he was clearly not right, but I thought he was dragging his leg. And so I th- it made me think maybe a knee injury, maybe a torn ACL turns out it was concussion and um, you know, what, whatever it would have been um a ringside doctor came up and checked with him and, and you know that that he further confirmed to me that something was wrong and 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 Jeff after the doctor walked away Jeff still laid there in the ring I mean you know it was it was very noticeable very odd that he didn't try to get up and, and climb out and stand at the at, at ringside or even just roll out of the ring he just he just laid there in the ring and and uh, eventually, boy, they finished the match, and it wasn't it wasn't quick either. You know, like in, in normal situations where there's an injury, however severe it might be, you know, the, an audible is called, and uh, you know, direction is usually sent from the back. And you know, there's 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 people that that's what it's what is called gorilla position. That's the the command position by, behind the scenes of the show. Tony Khan is there. Uh, you know, I was, I was there with Telly Blanchard was our gorilla guy at the, uh, AWE pay-per-view in 2011, the only pay-per-view we did. Uh, but, uh, you know, Marvin Ward and myself were right there with him. We were the, we were the creative team that wrote the show and it was just totally running things for us, basically getting the wrestlers to listen. Um, that's, that's the important part of that job. Um, and, um, and so, you know, you basically, you know, the, the, the folks at Gorilla, uh, in the case of AEW, they, they certainly have the ability to talk to the referee and an earpiece in his ear. You see all the time that there's an earpiece in the referee's ear. They're able to, to say, you know, what they need to do. Um, and uh, the doctor, having checked on Jeff Hardy, had to know that there was something wrong. Um, he did know that there was something wrong. And, and then... Um, uh, that could have been communicated, uh, should have been communicated back to the folks in the back. And then the folks in the back should have communicated up to the referee and then thus to the wrestlers uh, that we need to take this home. Instead, they went through basically the match um, with Matt Hardy. And this didn't really come to light until Matt Hardy on this podcast uh, a few days later uh, conceded, admitted that um, – that Jeff Hardy didn't remember anything from the match. He was knocked loopy. He said, and I think that's a quote knocked loopy. Um, and, uh, the, 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 the hard part of that then is that, I mean, not only did the Jeff continue the match, he, 
he did a couple, uh, he did an off the top rope dive onto one of the young bucks in the ring. And then he did an off the top rope dive to the floor with, I think it was Matt Jackson, uh, who was laying prone on a ringside step and did a swanton dive onto uh, the performer. And, and with that has no give, unlike the ring. Uh, it was reminiscent of a move I think he did a couple weeks ago in a match on Rampage with Darby Allen. Uh, and, you know, no give. Guy's already got his, his, you know, a concussion basically means your brain has been, uh, has, has hit itself inside your skull. And it's, it's, it's got some damage there. I mean, it's, it's got some at least short-term damage there. So now you've got a guy jumping off the top rope, landing on the mat. That's going to kind of swish things around. And then even more so jumping from the top rope onto a guy laying on a, a set of ringside steps. Um, there were a couple of super kick spots uh, in the ring uh, involving both uh, Jeff and Matt Hardy taking, taking super kicks from the young bucks. And so I'm not blaming the young bucks. Uh, and I'm really, I'm not blaming Jeff. Jeff was just a vessel. Even his brother said, so Matt, he said he was just a vessel. He was just there. Matt should have been looking out. Maybe I should put some blame on the young bucks too. They, they should have been looking out. They, they all had to know that something was wrong with, with, um, with Jeff Hardy and certainly Tony Khan. If I can, if me sitting at home can see that something's wrong and I'm thinking knee, but they know it's not knee. They know it's something else there, you know, the Hardys ended up winning the match. And that was where things were going to go. That's the, the booking was the Hardys going to win, get the big win and, and kind of move on. You could have done any of a number of things. You could have had Matt simply get a roll-up pin and that would be unsatisfying, but you could have also done something where the young bucks, okay, Hey, here's the audible. Let's, let's have the young bucks get disqualified. Um, a few weeks from now, when Jeff's 100% healthy, we'll do a rematch, and then the, uh, the the Hardys get the win in the rematch. But we've got heat in between. We've got the Young Bucks um, having done something dastardly. They're the heels. They've done something dastardly to to, to get disqualified, and, and as a result, uh, the, uh, the the Hardys going to have to chase them for a few weeks and get their revenge. Um, that could have been come up with on the fly. Instead, they, they let a man with a concussion wrestle – uh, and take at least two really hard bumps, a, f- a you know, a couple of super kicks um, that could have further damaged him. I mean, you know, and you could even say, well, super kicks, yeah, you know, they're they're trained to, you know, the the, the person delivering the super kick is trained to make it look good, make it sound good, but they're not really, you know, getting flush on the face. Well, a guy who's concussed could easily inadvertently lean into it more and and take a really bad blow because he's not there he's he's not fully cognizant of all he's not cognizant at all of his surroundings and that could have that could have been dangerous any of those either of those two top rope dives could have been disastrous um either short term you know on live tv a guy you know having some sort of issue or certainly long term so um yeah, that, that could, could have been, should have been handled a lot better than it was. And it's, it's, uh, it's an indictment on, on, on AEW's approach that they didn't do a better – hopefully they'll learn from this and do a better job um, in, in the future. So Dynamite coming up Wednesday night should be fun. Uh, world title eliminators, basically, uh, battle royal to start, uh, uh, a number one contenders match at the end, and some stuff in between. So our thanks to uh, Rod Mullins for talking NASCAR with us. Thanks to you for listening. I really appreciate your your, your time and, and putting in listening time with us here. I mentioned this earlier. I'll, I'll reinforce it here late. Uh, t- tweet me at um, 
not Chris Graham one, you can email me at AugustaFreePress2 at gmail.com. Let me know what you want us to talk about here on these podcasts. We do, you know, we talk about wrestling. We'll talk about NASCAR. We talk UVA sports. We talk Nats baseball. We'll talk some Virginia politics, culture, mental health. There's lots of things we talk about on our podcast. If there's a particular topic within those that you want us to address, if there's something else you'd like us to address, please just let us know uh, through those means. Thank you for your time, for your energy, your attention. Really appreciate it. Everyone have a great day.